We're in this series and we're doing a Christmas series and it seems appropriate to do a series about peace, right? At Christmas time, seems like what you talk about, right? Peace on earth, goodwill to men, all that kind of stuff. So we entitled this conversation, Peace Has Come, right? Seems like an appropriate and awesome title for a Christmas series, right? And many are like, yeah, I can see that, love that, peace has come. But if the truth be told, and we just find it better if we're honest in here, if the truth be told, it sounds really good to call a sermon series, Peace Has Come, but for a lot of us in our personal life, if peace has come, some of you are thinking this, it must have missed my address. Because there's a lot of you in the room that like, if peace has come, somewhere along the way, it's missed me. And that's why we're doing this series, because a lot of people are looking for peace. Here's what we said. Last week, if you weren't here, we did this last week, started the conversation off. We said one thing that is common with people who are happy, one thing they all have in common is this, they all are at peace. They have peace of some sort. And so we said this, we were just honest about it. We said a lot of us, maybe this morning, aren't happy because a lot of us struggle finding peace peace in our life. And the reason that we struggle, this is what we said last week, is that for a lot of us, we look for peace with a what? We think to ourselves, if I just had maybe a nicer car, maybe a bigger house, if I just had the newest technology, we think somewhere along the way, peace comes in a what? Or others of us, we think maybe it doesn't come in a what, maybe it comes in a where? If I could just go on my dream vacation to that place, or if I could just go visit this particular location. And then there's some of us, and some of you are here, I've talked to some of you, it's not a what, it's not a where, it's a when. For some of us, here's what we think, I will be happy, I will be at peace, ready, when I retire, when I graduate. When I get married, when the kids all leave the house, whatever it might be, right? And we think to ourselves that peace is somehow a what, a where, or a when. Here's what we said last week, just by review. We said that peace, you ready? Peace, peace that brings this happiness we're talking about, is not circumstantial, right? We, we said it's not circumstantial, it's not situational, it's not even material. It is, listen close, lean in, it's relational, And we said that when you really dig underneath of happy people's lives, you find that they're at peace. But they're not simply at peace, they're at peace with themselves. I want to talk to you about that today for a few minutes. They're at peace with others. I want to talk to you about that next week. But we said the key to the whole thing is what we talked about last week. They're at peace with God. In fact, we said it this way. If you were here, you you remember this. We said you can summarize the entire series in a sentence. And the sentence would be this, it is peace with God that paves the way to peace with myself and others. It is peace with God that's the cornerstone, it's the foundation, it is the secret, it's the power to me being at peace with myself and at peace with others. And here's what we said last week, and if you weren't here, you can go online and check it out. We said this, all of us intuitively, instinctively, we want to be at peace with God. We all, I know this because I've been a pastor for 26 years. And when I do a funeral, people say, I hope they made their peace with God. We all want to be at peace with God, but here's what we said. That when you lean into what God says in the New Testament, none of us are naturally born at peace with God. None of us are at peace with God. We're at conflict with God. And even to make matters worse, we said this. None of us can make our own peace with God. 
I hope they made their peace with God. We said that when you lean into God's heart on this, none of us can do that on our own. None of us can make our peace with God. Well, then what's the solution? I want to be at peace with God. Here's what we said. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of Jesus. We said this, that peace with God starts by saying yes to Jesus and what he did for me. That's why he came. He came, grew up, became an amazing teacher, died on the cross. Why? Because he died for everything that created conflict between me and God. And so when I say yes to him, I'm saying, yes, I believe you're the solution. Yes, I believe you're the savior. But, but, but then we said this, you ready? Because this messed some of y'all up last week. You've been talking to me all week, right? Some of you say, well, I'm a Christ follower. I've said yes to Jesus, but I, I'm not at peace with God. We said this, that peace with God starts by saying yes to Jesus. You ready? But peace with God continues by saying yes to Jesus and where he's leading me. And we said, for some of us, we're not at peace with God because we know Jesus is calling us somewhere, and for whatever reason, we refuse to follow. We resist listening. And so we said that peace with God is all about saying yes to Jesus. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. And I've, we've already done this twice. I've been talking to people all morning, so buckle your seatbelts. Because I think what I want to talk to you about is extremely relevant. It's probably where some of us are at. I want to talk to you about how in the world you and I can be at peace with ourselves. Don't talk to me about peace on earth, goodwill to men. There are many of us, and some of you have talked to, you're like, I don't need peace on the whole earth. I just need peace on my little piece of dirt, right? I just need peace on, in my world. See, some of us in the room, we don't need to watch the news to know there's no peace in the world. We just need to look in the mirror because for whatever reason, we can't find peace in ourselves. Think about this, think about this, Dan. Here's the deal. We live in one of the wealthiest countries on the planet. Would you agree with that? Just shake your head, yes, like that, right? Class participation, right? We live on one of the wealthiest planets on the entire planet, right? And yet, here's, the, here's what that means. Here's what that means. That, that we, more than most people, can buy, put near whatever. We can go wherever, right? We can look forward to whenever. There's plenty of places on the planet. Retirement is a, isn't even something they talk about. So that means we live in a place we can buy putting there whatever, we can go wherever, and we can look forward to whenever. And yet, listen, listen, listen. We live in a country that leads the way. You ready? We lead the way when it comes to worry, anxiety, and depression. You see, we're on this relentless pursuit for peace and happiness, and we can't seem to find it. It's like a mirage. It is the very thing, that, that relentless pursuit to be at peace inside of ourselves, to experience this deep peace of mind and of spirit. It's that pursuit that causes some of us to become all of a sudden obsessed with chasing that peace. For some of us, we chase that peace, and you know how we chase it? We think to ourselves, I'm gonna chase that being at peace with myself. I'm just gonna exercise more. Can I get an amen on that, right? And I'll be at peace with myself because if I exercise more and more, then, then I'm gonna be at peace with myself. There are some of us in the room like, I ain't exercising to be at peace with myself. Anybody with me, right? I'm gonna eat more, right? Get at peace with myself. I'm gonna buy more, right? I'm going, to, what, I'm going to binge watch more. It's this relentless pursuit to somehow be at peace. Lean in, lean in. And it's that relentless pursuit. You ready? It's that relentless pursuit that for some of us causes us to be addicted to something that we cannot seem to get away from. Because we have no peace. We have no peace inside of ourselves. You see, when you think about what it means to be at peace inside of yourself, can we just talk about this for a second. There are probably all kinds of things that wreck our peace. 
Can I mention two this morning that are worth writing down? Two things that I think wreck our peace. First is this. I'd write this down. The very first thing that wrecks my peace is the conversations I have with me. Now, I worded it that way on purpose, okay? Because you're like, is that a misprint? Nope. I wanted it that way on purpose because it's the conversations that I constantly have with me. Everybody lean in. We all talk to ourselves all the time, right? All, uh, in fact, do me this favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, I talk to myself all the time. Turn to your neighbor and say that right now. Do it. Yeah. Now say this to your neighbor, and so do you. Go ahead, make it equal play, right? Because we do, right? We have this constant tape that plays in our mind. It's constantly playing in our mind. And we constantly hear this voice. For some of us, you ready? For some of us, that, that talking to ourselves, that tape that we constantly play in our mind is something that we've had ever since we were a child, because that tape that you constantly hear in your mind is the voice of your mom or your dad. And they said to you, you'll never amount to anything. And you can't figure out how to erase that tape. For some of you, it's that coach because you didn't make the team. And he looked at you and he said, you will never be good enough. And that's the tape. It just keeps playing in your mind. For others of you, it's that teacher because you failed that test. And you know what she says? She said, you'll never be, what, smart enough. And for you, it's that tape that wrecks your peace because you can't seem to erase it in your mind. And there's a whole bunch of us in the room. We don't need somebody else making the tape because we do a good job on our own. And you know how we do a good job on our own? Because we got that thing way back here in our past. That, that thing that we did back then that no one else knows about that we are ashamed of. And here's the deal. In our brain somehow it has created a tape and we begin to think to ourselves, if anybody knew what I did then, they would never love me now. Everybody look here a sec. Some of you got a tape in your head because of whatever's in your past. Now listen, I got to talk to some of you because you've told me this. And you're thinking no one could, would ever love me if they knew that. And here's what that tape is saying to you. You ready? And I can never, what, forgive my, what, self. It's this tape that's constantly, and you have no peace. It's wrecked your peace. There's a second thing that wrecks your peace, and it's this. It's the circumstances that happen to me. Can we just acknowledge this for those of you that are older in the room, and you can determine what that means, uh, but the older you get, the faster life comes at you. Anybody want to amen that? Right? Now let me tell you, because a lot of you are younger than me in the room, can we just, I'll just tell you something, that the older you get, the, the quicker life comes at you. John, you with me back there? And, and here's the deal, and the less control you have over that life that's coming at you. Anybody amen that, right? It like comes at you fast and you have no control. In fact, I would say it this way, see if you can relate to this, that life a lot of time is like teaching a teenager how to drive. Raise your hand if you've ever taught a teenager how to drive. Raise, nice and high, I want to see them talk, and you survived. It's why I have no hair. I'd had three, right? Here's the deal, if you've never done it and you have that, to look forward to, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. You all of a sudden one day are going to get in this several ton vehicle and you're used to being in the driver's side, you're going to sit in the passenger side. And that little kid that you held like a baby, they're going to be sitting behind that wheel. And you're going to look at them and say, turn the key on. Not so fast. Put it in D. Hit the pedal. Don't go so fast. Hit the brake. And then you're going to be screaming. You're, like, you're going to be doing this the whole time. What are you doing? You're hitting your what? Your fake break, right? Now listen, listen, listen. He's saying, Dan, what's the point? The point is this, life hits us that way. For some of you, 
you're getting ready to go to inclement weather on the road you're traveling. And that inclement weather has everything to do about maybe your health, maybe your finances, maybe your relationships. And you find yourself hitting your fake brake. Like, man, this is coming too fast. For some of you, life's a journey. And you look around the bend. You're not sure what's coming, but you are so afraid of whatever the next season brings, whatever is around the bend, that quite frankly, you can't sleep at night. There's no peace. For some of you, it's not what's around the bend, but you cannot get your eyes off of what's in the rearview mirror. And it has so paralyzed you on this journey, the circumstances that have happened, the things in your life, that you've pulled your car over and you've stopped. You see, the fact of the matter is, all of us long for this peace, not simply on earth, that's great, but peace in here. And you know what makes matters worse? Some of you have gone to church all your life. And so when it comes to this idea of peace, you go to church and you hear some bald preacher like me and they preach a sermon and they preach on a verse and this is what the verse says. Everybody read the yellow out loud, do not be what? About what? New Living Translation says it this way, don't what? Say it out loud. About what? And you think to yourself, great. I already struggle with worry and now I go to church and the preacher preaches on that verse and it wrecks my peace and now I'm worried that I'm gonna be worrying is what I think to myself and many of us it wrecks our peace. And here's what I wanna tell you this morning. I want you to look here. Some of you grew up in church and you have this, maybe you have it knitted on a pillow somewhere or whatever, I don't know. You're like, man, somehow Bible says I gotta quit worrying. Everybody look here. If you leave here today, And you leave here today and you're like, what did Pastor Dan talk about? Well, he talked about, don't worry, be happy. No, (laughs) I have no, sorry. But anyways, (laughs) if you leave here and that's what you think, you, listen, listen, you missed the point. And some of you have been living with this guilt and this pressure, like, I worry all the time and the Bible says and I'm breaking the rule. And if you leave here and you're like, I'm breaking the rule, you miss the point. Because here's what I want to tell you. That little verse is found in a bigger passage. And when you read the Bible, you've got to kind of step back and read the bigger passage. This is worth writing down. There's no slide for it. I've said this before. A text that's taken out of context is just a con. A text that's taken out of context is a con. And for a lot of us, we can't figure out how in the world, well, I just want to leave here and I just want to stop worrying and be happy. So we got to look at the context. Well, what's the context? Well, you can follow on the screen or in your Bibles, but here's what Paul says. Philippians 4, he begins in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. That's the part we just said. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I want you to present your request to God. And then look at verse seven. Here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody look here. 
can we just agree, I need me some of that peace, don't you? Like, like that sounds like an awesome part of the Bible. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, like, like, like maybe this is your first time reading it, that sounds like a great Hallmark card, right? The peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, you might think, who wrote that? And you might begin thinking to yourself, I bet you some guy sipping iced tea on a beach on a dream vacation wrote that. And you would be dead wrong. Because the guy who wrote that, his name's Paul. And he planted churches. In fact, one of them that he was involved in starting was a church in Philippi, thus the name Philippians. His friends told him, whatever you do, don't go back to Jerusalem. Because those people back at Jerusalem, they think you're trying to ruin their religion. I love Paul. He went anyways. To the point where literally they drug him out of church and arrested him. He's sitting in jail He's kind of thinking, and eventually he says to the people who arrested him, hey, I think you guys just need to know I'm a Roman citizen. They said, you're a Roman citizen? We got to take you in front of the Roman authorities. They put him on a ship so that he could go stand trial in front of the Roman authorities. The ship they put him on was shipwrecked. Literally banished on an island for several months. It took two years for him to get to the point where he stood trial that eventually would lead to his death. You didn't want Paul in your worry support group. He's not writing this while sipping iced tea on a beach on a dream vacation. And yet Paul, while he sits in prison in circumstances that are less than ideal, says, I want to talk to you about a peace that passes understanding. And he says several things that are worth noting. Look at what he says. He says, first and foremost, verse six, don't be anxious about anything but in, what's the words in what? Every situation. What is he saying? He's saying this peace that I want to talk to you about is not necessarily dependent on your circumstances. That's good news for some of you because your circumstances are anything but peaceful. Some of you are in a storm this morning. I'm so glad you're here. But the peace that he's talking about is a peace that is not dependent on your circumstances all being smooth. Then he says this, verse seven. He said, the peace of God, which, say those three words, the peace of God, would what? Transcends all understanding. He's saying this peace that I wanna talk to you about is not necessarily logical, what he's saying is he's saying this. He said, there's going to be people, if you get this, if you get this, okay, if you truly get this, they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, how are you so at peace in light of what you're walking through? And then he says this. He says, this peace, you ready? He says, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Everybody look here. I want, I want to teach you. I so want the Bible, I want you to read the Bible in color, not black and white. This is Paul writing. Can you imagine for a minute, he's sitting in a Roman prison. And he's saying, can I talk to you about a peace that is not dependent on your circumstances? As he looks around at his jail cell. And he said, can I talk to you about a peace that's gonna cause other people to scratch their head and say, how can you be at peace? 
as Paul looks at the guys who are guarding him and they look at the man in prison and say, I think you're more at peace than I am. And then he says, this peace I want to talk to you about as he sits in jail and as he looks at potentially a Roman guard who's guarding his jail cell, Paul kind of under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, this peace it's kind of like a guard. It will guard your heart and your mind no matter what the circumstance. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, how in the world do I get a hold of some of that peace? And here's the secret. Here's the secret, and we're going to flesh it out. The secret is this. Having this kind of peace is not a rule that you keep. It's a relationship that you cultivate. Having this kind of peace is not a rule that you keep. You leave here and say, Pastor Dan said we shouldn't worry. You missed what I said. Here's the secret. I want you to write it this way. Practicing the presence of God in my life is what leads to the peace of God in my life. Practicing the presence of God in my life is what leads to the peace of God in my life. Now, I want to tell you what I mean by that. It's this constant responding to the awareness of the fact that God is present in my life that leads to me experiencing the peace of God. You're saying, help me understand that. I'd be happy to. Can we at least, by way of, some of you are married in the room. Can we at least, by way of illustration, say there is a big difference between the idea of marriage and being married? Amen? Anybody with me? You're not with me, I can tell. Let me explain it. Before I got married, I was an expert on marriage. Can I get an amen? Don't look at anybody, just go with me on this, right? I read so many books about marriage, right? The principle of this, the rule of this, the how you do this. I'm going, I've read those, I'm going to be the best husband ever, right? I mean, there is a difference. I'm reading, I could have told you, I could have passed every test. Right? I took a course in college called Marriage and the Family, right? I mean, I knew all about marriage. There was this idea of marriage. I'm like, this is going to be incredible. Then I got me married, and that's different. Right? Why is it different? Here's why it's different because marriage is about a relationship that is constant. She shows up to every meal, she's there every night. We have this constant, pulsating, dynamic relationship. I am constantly responding to the presence of this woman whose name is Jennifer in my life. You're saying, what's the point? Because there is a big difference between religion and the idea of God and the rules of the Bible and having a pulsating, dynamic continuous, every day, 24-7 relationship with God. Guys, got to get this. You got to get it. It's only when I begin to experience this that I can begin to experience the peace of God in my life. Otherwise, the peace of God's going to be a rule that I keep. Don't worry. Oh. But when I begin to respond to this dynamic, pulsating relationship with God that he desires to have with me, therein lies the secret to experiencing the peace of God. He's saying, what happens when you begin to experience God in that way? Well, let's not make it up. Let's just read it. 
Let's find three or four things in here that we can write down. First is this, verse four. Here's what he says. When I begin to practice the presence of God in my life, Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's like, in case you didn't get me the first time, rejoice. Do you know, here's the deal. Do you know what the word rejoice means? Do you know what it means? It means to rejoy. It means to, like, bad grammar, I get it. Continually be joying. That's what he's saying. What's he saying? I want you to write it down this way. He's saying, when it comes to worry, I want you to worship instead of worry. That's what he's saying. I want you to worship. Now, let's make sense of this. That sounds really cool and, and, and all that. We've got to make sense of this. I want to teach you something that's important when it comes to worry. First is this. Paul already wants us to know that worry is not something that's going to be helpful, right? The word worry means this. In the Greek, it means divide it, distract it. So remember that. It means being all turned up inside. That's what it means, okay? So you already know two or three things about worry. First is this. You know this about worry. Don't raise your hand, but some of us would say we're worry warts, right? That's how you describe yourself. You worry all the time. You already know several things about worry. First is worry doesn't work, right? Worry has not solved one single problem that I'm aware of. Are, are you tracking with me? Like, it just doesn't work. Not only that, worry exaggerates my problems. Did you know that? Worry will cast a big shadow on a small thing. And worry is literally taken from the German word to strangle, to choke. And we know that because it is worry that is choking the life out of some of us. And so what Paul is saying is like, instead of worry, I want you to experience the peace of God. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens as I practice the presence of God. Well, what happens as I practice the presence of God? All of a sudden, instead of worry, I worship. Well, why do I worship? Because here's what worry does. I want to get underneath of it. You know what worry does? Worry takes something that might be a good thing. Worry might take a good thing, and it makes it the ultimate thing. And it's all I can think about. And so what I do is I get fixated on that good thing that becomes the ultimate thing. And if I don't have that, where if this doesn't happen, where if they don't come through, all of a sudden I become fixated and that becomes the ultimate thing. That becomes all I can think about. And what Paul is saying is this, whatever you're worried about is not the ultimate thing. Instead, when you practice the presence of God, you recognize that in the house is the ultimate one. And he says, when you recognize that, you can rejoy in the Lord. Don't miss this. This is not Christianese. Some of you grew up in church, like, just be happy, and that's what Christians are, and you have this fake smile. It's like, that's what he's saying. Not like bumper sticker Christianity. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. It is this dynamic, pulsating relationship that if, if I begin to live my life as though God is in the house, that when I wake up tomorrow, he's there. When I go to work, he's there in the car. Hello, God. When I go to lunch, there you are. All of a sudden, what he's saying, when I practice the presence of God, I begin to rejoice. My focus is he's the ultimate thing. And it takes it off of the fact that worry is self-focused, worship is God-focused. You know what worship is? It's not just singing. Did you know that? Like we worship, that's cool, it's part of it, but it's responding to the presence of God in your life. That's what worship is. When I respond to the presence of God in my life, he says, I want you to celebrate, I want you to rejoy. But he doesn't stop there. Look what he says. You gotta see this. 
Go verse five on me. He says, let your, what's the word? Let your what? Say it out loud. Let your, that was awful. The Buckeyes won last night. Come on, guys. Nice and loud. Let your be evident to all. Why? Why? What does he say? Because what? The what? The Lord is near. What's he saying? Well, that word gentleness, I want to talk to you about that word for a second. It means this strength under control, this gentle spirit that has moderation. Here's what it means. You can write this down in your notes. It means this. It's a, it's a, it's a putting two words together. It means to chillax. Can you write that down somewhere? Chillax. Just write it down. That's what he's saying. He's saying, would you chill Acts, would you relax? Here's what he's saying. I want you to relax and trust. When I recognize the presence of God and practice the presence of God in my life, he says all of a sudden I realize that God is present. And when I realize God is present, I can relax and trust. You remember the story, some of you remember the story, you remember the story of Jesus riding on a boat with his followers, you remember that? And a storm hits. Some of you remember? You read the Gospels and the storm hits. And, and, and you know what Jesus is doing when the storm hits? You know what he's doing? He's chillaxing. That's what he's doing, right? He's down underneath sleeping. And you know what his disciples, his followers are doing? You know what they're doing? They're freaking out. They're freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? And I don't know. And this might. And you know what they do? They go get Jesus. Why? You know why? Because they want him to freak out with them. They worry with him. And he comes and says, would you guys chillax? With peace be still. And he calms the place. You see, practicing the presence of God is realizing that whether it's stormy or smooth, that he is present. You see, why is this important? I just want to talk real frank with you for a minute. Don't send me an email on this, but I just want to, I want to talk to you frank. Because our culture, our culture if ever our culture needed to see followers of Christ who make their gentleness evident, it's now. You know why? You know why? You may disagree with me, but you know why? Because our culture sees all kinds of people who call themselves Christ followers who are freaking out. They're freaking out. They would say, I'm a Christian, and what if this happens? What if this guy doesn't get elected? And what if this doesn't happen? And what? That's the way they see Christ followers. Stay with me, I got your attention. And he says, would you chillax? Well, what if so-and-so gets in office? Would you relax? We're kind of following somebody that's on a throne. It's gonna be okay. See, what Paul is saying is this peace that we miss is experienced when I begin to practice the presence of God in my life. He's here right now. Then he goes on and he says something that I want to teach you this in, in verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Okay. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, look what he says. You ought to circle this word in your Bibles. Present your request to God. Now, I want to teach you this real quick. What Paul is saying, he's like, I want you to present your request. That sounds like a really nice little church thing to say, right? Like Pray. But it's so much deeper than that. And, and, and this is worth the price of admission this morning. That word present, I had you circle. Here's what it means, to reveal a mystery. What's Paul saying? He's saying, you want to experience the peace of God in your life? Pray different. Pray different. He's saying, pray for the job. Pray for the relationship. Pray. That's awesome. But what he's saying is that when I practice the presence of God in my life, I'm going to reveal what's real. 
I'm going to reveal what's real. Here, here's what he's saying. If I want to experience the peace of God in my life, I've got to go a step further when I talk to God. You're saying, Dan, help me understand that. I'll be happy to. I think what he's saying is this. He's saying that when I pray, I'm coming to God and I'm saying, God, I want to make the team. I want to make the team, God. And, and, and many of us, that's the way we pray. It's like, boom, I want to make the team. But I think what Paul is saying, no, no, if you want to experience the peace of God, I want you to reveal. And to pray that way is to pray this way. God, I want to make the team. You ready? Listen close. Lean in. Because I'm afraid if I don't, I won't be important or respected. He's saying, I want you to go down where the anxiety is. He's saying, I want you to pray this way. God, I want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Many of us stop right there. He's saying, I want you to reveal because I'm afraid if I don't get one, you really might not be enough for me. He's saying, pray this way. God, I really want that other job because I'm afraid if I don't get it, I might waft into being irrelevant and stuck in this job forever. Here's what he's saying. I want you to get this. He's saying when you pray, he said, start revealing. Start revealing. If you want to experience the peace of God, we come and we're like, God, change this circumstance and do this. Almost like he's a genie in the bottle. What he's saying is, no, we're coming, practicing the presence of God, and we're revealing what's real. and say, God, I want to make the team. And then the reason is because I'm afraid if I don't. I'm not going to be important, and I won't know who I am. And when you begin to open up your heart that way, it's the peace of God that begins to meet you at the very deep caverns of where anxiety and worry begin to grow. A guy named Andy Stanley said it better than I. He said, what if you and I prayed, not necessarily until stuff changes in our life, but what if we prayed until peace came into our life? I love that. That peace isn't necessarily when circumstances change. Peace is me somehow getting real with the God who is present with me and beginning to uncover what I'm really anxious about, what I'm really worried about. Paul says two more things. We're going to slide real quick. Look at verse 8. I've got to show you this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And then he says this. Think about such things. What's he saying? He's saying, when I practice the presence of God, I'm going to change my mind. When I begin to practice the presence of God, it's about changing your mind. The word he uses here, he says, think about such things. He's using a word to meditate, to marinate, to think over and over again. I did some research on this. We have about 10,000 thoughts every day. Think about that. 10,000 thoughts go through our brain every day. And what Paul is saying, he's like, if you want to experience the peace of God, you got to begin to change your mind. Can we just say it this way for the sake of time? That, that, that I can't think of two words that might describe our culture better than distracted. Right? Better than distracted, better than divided, which is what the word worry means. Like we are a distracted 
culture. We are a divided culture. Why? Because we have 10,000 thoughts. And can we just say this? We have all kinds of things that are talking to us that are somehow imported into our mind. And what he's saying is that the peace of God is about me beginning to change my mind. When he uses the word true, noble, and right, he's saying, I want you to begin thinking about God, who he is, his plan, his purposes, his promises. You ought to write this verse down somewhere and just put it somewhere where you can see it. It's in Isaiah. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. I just want to talk to you. I want to quit preaching for a minute. I just want to talk to you. I'm doing some, some reading for a series we're going to start in January. You don't want to miss that, by the way. We're going to do a series in January. It's, can't wait for it to happen. So I'm doing a lot of reading. And one of the books I was reading, the author of the book called one of his mentors, and this is what he said. He said, what's the one thing, oh, wise sage, that I can do, you know, to become more like Jesus, waiting for this profound answer? And his mentor I thought had an incredible answer to the question. His mentor said this after he thought a minute. He said, here's the one thing. If you'll begin doing this, it'll begin transforming your life. He said, if you'll begin, you ready? To ruthlessly, that's the key word, ruthlessly, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That sounds like a weird answer. What was he saying? He's saying this, listen close. He's saying that for many of us, our life is distracted and divided and we are too distracted to hear from God. That's what he's saying. So therefore we have no peace because we can't hear from God. I'm gonna tell you something and then I gotta raise. I'm gonna tell you something. Ready? Worth writing down, no slide for it. I will never experience the peace of God. I will never experience the peace of God if I don't slow down enough to hear the voice of God. And he has a lot he wants to say. He filled an entire library of of things he wants to say. I will never experience the peace of God if I don't slow down enough to hear the voice of God. You see, Paul simply says this, I want you to think about things that are true. Why? Because Satan is the father of lies. I want you to think about things that are respectful. Are they things that God holds in high regard? Look what he says. I want you to think about things that are pure. All the young adults and teenagers in the room, look here a second. I just want to talk to you. This doesn't just apply to you, by the way. I talk to tons of young adults and teenagers and love it and love interacting with them. You know something they'll say to me often? I love their honesty. They'll come in and they'll they'll want to talk to me and they'll ask me this question, whether it be something they're reading, looking at, or about a relationship. This is the question they'll ask. Pastor Dan, do you think we're crossing the line? You know what they mean, right? Like, Like when they come in and they talk to me about their relationship with their boyfriend or their girl, they'll say, do you think we're crossing the line? Everybody look here. I think what Paul is saying is this, ready? Wrong question. That's what he's saying. If I'm asking the question, am I crossing the line, I might be heading in the wrong way already. 
I think what Paul is saying, hey, why don't you change your mind? Maybe it's not about whether or not you cross the line. Maybe it's whether or not you line up with the cross. You see how he's talking? He said, well, if you begin to change your mind, you know why he says that? Because where you bend your mind, listen close, is where you'll bend your life. And for a lot of us, we have never experienced the peace of God because we've never slowed down long enough to hear the voice of God in our life. Which leads to the very last thing that he says. I'm going to invite Aiden and the team to make their way out. We're going to finish with a song today. But I want you to see this. Don't put your stuff away. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, you see these words? He says, that is what I want you to put into practice. Listen. He's saying this peace of God is about practicing the presence of God and it's about celebrating God and rejoicing in God and relaxing and trusting God and revealing what's real to God and intentionally slowing down to hear the voice of God. But do you see what he's saying? Don't miss this. He's saying when you begin to change your mind, learn to listen to God's voice, here's what he's saying. He's saying you learn to live different. He's not saying learn to live different, boy. He's saying learn, let your mind change so that you live different. Can we get real for a second? There may be a bunch of us in the room that aren't experiencing the peace of God. You know why? Because we actually have heard the voice of God. But we, for whatever reason, are resisting following the God of peace. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have no peace in your life. You know why? Because you know God wants you to have that conversation with that person. It's too hard, Pastor Dan. Because you know God wants you to extend forgiveness to that person. It's too hard. For some of you, you know God wants you to give your life away in a particular way. You're like, not now. And I think that's what Paul's saying. That somehow for me to experience the peace of God, listen close, the peace of God is for me to follow the God of peace. That's what he's saying. That's how he ends this deal. He says, and the God of peace will what? Be with you. See, quite frankly, some of us in the room this morning, we've heard the voice of God. We know exactly And for whatever reason, we're resisting following the God of peace. I said this last week. The very thing that's causing us to resist the God of peace is there's something inside of us that we're just not sure that he's good enough, loving enough, or wise enough to lead our life. And this morning, that God of peace is saying, I want nothing more than for you to experience the peace of God in your life. That I am a constant, continual presence in your life, not just Sunday morning at 1130, but I am a constant, continual presence in your life. 
that if you'll wake up tomorrow morning and the first thing that maybe you begin to think is God is here and you begin to rejoice in Him always, it might help you relax and trust Him even if that day has a storm ahead of it. And if you'll begin to recognize that I'm here in this space with you and you can reveal to me what's real down deep in the caverns of your anxiety. And if you'll just slow down enough to hear my voice, I want you to follow me. I'm the God of peace. I can't promise you the storm will lift. I can't promise you the situation will all of a sudden smooth out. But what I can tell you is this, is that when you begin to follow the God of peace, there is a peace that passes understanding that begins to stand guard over your heart and mind. So God help us this morning. I pray that in this space, in this room, you would help us. For some of us, it might be simply allowing you to invade the space called our life right now. I don't know where you're at in this space, but as Aiden and the team lead us in this song, why not just have a conversation with the God who's sitting right beside you, the God who is right now present with you. Some of you have deep, deep anxiety, deep fear, deep hurt. He says, you can be real with me right now. Right now. Some of you are in big storms in your life. He's saying, I'm present. You can relax and trust. We're going to walk together. God, I pray that in this moment you would meet us in this space so that we might follow you, the God of peace, and experience the peace of God in our life.